TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Feels like a Monday, but it is in fact a Tuesday. Hope everybody had an outstanding President's Day out there yesterday. Some of us off work, some of us working, and some of us in that deep quandary in the great in between. The coach, John Cole, joining you here. Hopefully going to be joined in a couple of minutes by the big dog, Joel Radwanski, producer extraordinaire. David Olson on the other side of the glass. One hour of sports talk and more. And Moss. Our phone number, if you want to check in, 888-463-6748. And even though it's a Tuesday show, we're going to deal with it more like a Monday because it's going to be weekend wrap, recamp. we got lots to talk about, including college basketball, the Daytona 500. we got a little NBA basketball, the All-Star game, the big trade. Carmelo finally knows where he's going. And uh, it is Election Day here in the city of Chicago, so we'll talk about that as well. Big dog, uh, Joel Radwanski, joining me. I know, Joel, over a two-day weekend, we always worry about you. Anytime we don't see you for three days, our concern level goes up to a very high level. So my first question to you, my friend, before we get into the sports, is how are you? And uh, hopefully you're at home and not behind bars. Uh, yeah, coach, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind being behind a bar. That wouldn't be bad. But, oh, uh, oh, coach, I... I not doing so, not doing so well. This is the first time I've been sick in, in eight years. Uh-oh. I'm it's starting not... to feel a lot better today. Yesterday, I, I didn't feel too good. It's funny. You called at 10 o'clock, and I thought it was like 6 o'clock in the morning. You mm-hmm. told me there was no show. I never was so happy that I wasn't doing the show as of yesterday morning. But Yeah, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't sound good when I informed you. I think we had forgot to tell you Friday that uh, President's Day was a day off here at the auspices of the talk zone. So I called you about a minute before the show, and you did sound, uh, to put it mildly, a bit tired. Well, yeah, I, I don't know about tired. I, just, I could barely speak, mm-hmm. so... It's uh, the congestion. I can't even breathe. You know, it was my congestion is so bad. Not to get all on the whiny, but this is I couldn't breathe at night. I was I would end up for the last couple of days. I was biting my tongue in the middle of the night, and it was waking me up because I could I had such a hard time breathing. Biting your you tongue. What I'm saying? Like, yeah, I've never heard the biting of the tongue to alleviate, not alleviate, but as a response to difficulty breathing. Did you prop yourself up and sleep in an upright position? Pardon the expression. Uh, no, I did not do that. I was, tr- I couldn't find my, I couldn't get comfortable no matter what way okay. I was trying to sleep, coach. I, I don't know why. I've never bit my tongue in the middle of the night before. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this past week, I was doing it four or five times a night. So and you're saying it has to have something to do with the fact I couldn't breathe at all. Interesting. Well, maybe the nasal passage is not working as well. You're using the vocal passage more than usual. The vocal passage, uh, kind of rebelling against its overuse and therefore the bite of the tongue. How's that for some vocal psychology? Well, maybe. I usually I know I breathe through my tongue because I've trained myself to do that because I'm a drooler, Coach. Oh, really? If I sleep with my mouth open, I could end up drowning in my own drool. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful thought. We are America's number one breakfast show. As long as you're not eating breakfast in America. Oh, goodness. Ah, can you give us a little phlegm for the audience out there? Just a... No, no, you know, it hurts way too much. 
Coach, it hurts okay. way too much. All right. Well, Even if you get the I'm urge somewhere during the course of the show to release a little phlegm, I'd love to hear it uh, on the two guys in a mic show, just to give paint a little picture of reality. By the way, I am making a, a collection of my phlegm, and it kind of looks like Edward Munch's scream, the painting. <laughs> gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous, Coach. So I don't know All if right, I want to add anything to that. Stop throw up. Oh, goodness. I'll take your word for it. Please don't post any pictures up on the YouTube. Okay. You know uh, Edward Moon, Coach, don't you? You're you're a refined man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good weekend. Good weekend for a lot of college basketball teams. Bad weekend, by the way, for uh, Muammar Gaddafi, who appears to be the next Mideast leader, who uh, appears to be fighting a downturn, big dog, rough weekend for Gaddafi. And it's interesting because, you know, both me and David finally watched Social Network over the, over the weekend. And, you know, how... I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg and the whole fame and fortune and the popularity of Facebook has become so amazing, and the guy's worth billions of dollars. But did he think? Obviously, he didn't. But beyond the billion dollars and all that, Facebook. Facebook now is is semi-directly related to not only this huge social intervention, big dog, but all of a sudden all these Mideast countries going democratic. Can you imagine what's going in Mark Zuckerberg and the rest of them's heads right now? Yeah, seriously, did, could he actually believe when he was stealing this from his friends that this that he was actually going to get credit for the, yeah. all of this stuff? Yeah, really. It, it's not even seriously, a matter of... He probably would have hired a lawyer at the time <laughs> to make sure that all this other, other dirty stuff about him ripping people off wouldn't have come out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really amazing, Coach. Uh, the fact that is, that's why these... Uh, what you, that's why Egypt tried to knock out the Internet when this was going on. Yeah, because, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny is when people can actually go out and speak and say, hey, we're getting tyrannized here. Yeah. Stuff can happen. Good stuff can happen. It's, it's pretty clearly the Egypt uh, rebellion was very clearly uh, uh, connected back to uh, Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook. I forget the guy's name, but he's somewhat of a martyr in, uh, in Egypt right now. And, uh, you know, the, a lot of other countries are having rebellion. Uh, Libya seems to be the worst, and uh, again, a good weekend for college basketball, a bad weekend for your good friend Muammar uh, Gaddafi. Muammar Gaddafi, uh, coach, I, I, I've been hating that death spot ever since uh, the early '80s when yeah. when Ronald Reagan was sending missiles up his, yeah. his rectum. So yeah. no, I, I would uh, no, I'm not a big fan of him. But just, 41 me- years, by the way, you talk about long reigns of great coaches. He he's the Joe Paterno of Libya. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> you know, from the shores of Montezuma, like what, to the walls of Montezuma, to the shores of Tripoli. I yep. think that was when the, the, that song for the Marines has been around since the, the early 1800s. That's when he took over, right? That was the first time uh, the U.S. went over to Tripoli, I mean, to Libya, uh, Libya to take him on. So I can barely speak right now, Coach. I'm sorry. Yeah, you sound good. You, you sound fine. Don't, don't, don't kid yourself. For an hour, you'll be fired up, and then uh, the adrenaline kick will wear off, and you, you and your phlegm will be back to coughing up the rest of the day. That sounds, that sounds excellent. Maybe what uh, what the United States needs to do mm-hmm. is uh, you know, right and like send out mobile devices that can actually where people can get on the indie, uh, the the internet in China. Now, in order to make it effective, they'd have to drop about a hundred million of them. Yep. Okay, but uh, just drop them all over China, and maybe all of a sudden the the word can get out over China because they have a, a state controlled internet. It's there. interesting. Instead of any kind of nuclear drop or any kind of bomb drop, just drop. Tons of uh, somehow un. Uh, what do you do when you cut down the service? So whatever that expression is, somehow they cannot be cut off. But you drop down just millions and millions of those cell phones to the Chinese people. They get the little web updates, and pretty soon we'll have a rebellion there as well. Democracy yeah, yeah, well, shall reign supreme. Actually, I mean, you 
they control the internet there somehow. I don't know how the the state controls the whole internet. You need like the, a whole new. Uh, yeah. Like you need to send a satellite up there mm-hmm. and have a whole new internet provider for the for the country of China. Yeah. But that's that's the next one to do it, Coach. Hopefully, if we can do something like that for them. Oh, you think China is going to be the next one to have rebellion? No, I don't think. Oh. I, I don't think so whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to be the last one. But okay. that's and that's like the next step is to get China. Yes, uh, actually, right. have the people that are getting formed is what All I'm talking right. about. Well, just remember, we owe them. Uh, is it, I keep forgetting. Is it billions or trillions? I forget where we are. But uh, well, it, it it all depends because don't forget that uh, George H. W. Bush, you know, sent over all <laughs> kinds of. Uh, of uh, gold to them that was really tungsten steel, so that's why they're out to like destroy our economy. Interesting. That's a few people know that, but the H. Mm-hmm. W. Bush, not a very good man, Coach. <laughs> George H. W. Huh? Yeah, the first one. Okay. Because ever since then they've been out to destroy our economy. Since okay. uh, we All basically right. robbed about ten billion dollars from them back there in the day, go. so yeah. they, it's been a long time coming. Like the Chinese, they'll they'll wait for years in, in order to cut your throat. You know, they'll lay in the weeds for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's your feel-good thought to start off a Tuesday on the uh, TalkZone.com. People tuning into our show to get a lighthearted look at the world of sports, Big Dog. And we start off with Mohammed, Mohammed, Mohammed Gaddafi, and the fact that uh, China is going to cut our throat. They're just waiting, our, waiting, they're biding their time to do it. Have a you great know, day, everybody, and thanks for joining us. Have an outstanding week. Uh, one of one of my favorite lines ever about Muammar Gaddafi was was Ronald Reagan. You know, because it was a really really serious time when they were trying to knock Muammar Gaddafi out. What was that, like 83 or so? I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But there, was a, there was a few missiles that we sent to homes that yeah. that uh, he supposedly was staying at. That was that was the year he took a sabbatical, I think. Oh, well, I'm not sure exactly what year it was, because I remember it was the whole line of death, because there was like a little sea inside of uh, Libya that if any non-Libanese uh, or a ship from Libya went past it, they were... They were going to blow him out of the water. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff was really serious. It was going on for a couple of months. And then out of nowhere, Ronald Reagan just said, because he called himself Colonel Muammar Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, we're really dealing with a madman. The guy calls himself a colonel and he runs the country. Why wouldn't he be a general? And I don't know. It just cracks me up. Like, I remember <laughs> I, like, I, my dad almost lost it. I mean, it's like this really serious, tense situation. And mm-hmm. our president brings up the fact that he calls himself a colonel instead of general. <laughs> That was good stuff. Very nice. That was good to me. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I still laugh to this day when I think about it. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. Bill Maher, by the way, in his uh, political show each and every Friday night, it's replayed it many, many times. He called uh, 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 talking about different presidents elected. I think when he was speaking to Ronald Reagan, he said, and the Republicans for two terms in a row voted in the cowboy from Toy Story. Yeah, this is true. Don't even get me started <laughs> with what they yeah. But that was yeah, interesting. Whenever I hear George Bush say, oh, I'm a. I'm a Reagan Republican. I just, I want to. I, I can't say it because that legitimately would be Secret Service at my front door wondering why I just said that. So I no, won't. I won't say anything that I'm just thinking. It's a free country. You're welcome to your thoughts, Big Dog. Yeah, and if you just happen to say what I was, what I was thinking, I would. Who knows? I'd be getting a a, a rectal exam. As a matter of fact, maybe I should say I need some company. Silliest thing in the world. They can't cut our microphones off. It's a free country. We can say whatever. <laughs> Just had to scare the people out there a little bit. All right. Uh, any any other political uh, thoughts, Big Dog, before we get into the really serious stuff? And that's 
what the hell happened to all the top teams in college basketball. And I do want to get to the NBA All-Star game also, but uh, any other deep... The Daytona 500, there's all kinds of incredible stuff stuff going on right now. Good stuff. we got to get to it again. It's a Tuesday show, but it's going to feel like a Monday. We were off yesterday, so uh, if you caught up on all your sports yesterday, I apologize, but stick with us. We'll make it a fun ride along the way. Again, you want to join us in the uh, back seat, or I'll even kick Joel out of the driver's seat. He's kind of a backseat driver himself. We'll put him in the backseat. You get the driver's seat. Give us a call at 888-463-6748. Let's start off with a Daytona 500. Big dog speaking of backseats, front seats, and driver's seats. 20-year-old kid. 20-year-old kid who's got a lot of charisma, by the way. I like this kid. Wins the race, and um, it featured some of the better crashes I've seen in recent memory, Big Dog. It was quite entertaining. Yeah, you're sick, Coach. Okay. You you make fun of MMA well, or you rip MMA for being too violent and but, you're like oh some great crashes well there the, were the, the, the 10th anniversary of Dale Earnhardt dying in a crash and you're talking about how great the crashes well, were and how exciting it was yeah they were great nobody got hurt and they were they were spectacular crashes oh there there were there was there was and uh, Juan Pablo Montoya who by the way he was in the fastest Chevy finished sixth is unbelievable Daytona 500 in the the fastest Chevy finishing sixth that was incredible. He he knocks somebody out of a race early. He, he typically does that, but yeah, that was basically the difference: is who survived the crashes. I didn't that realize. End up winning. I, I I don't follow the uh, car racing circuit as much, but it, is it just a recent that they're allowing as much physical contact? I use that expression almost like in basketball, where these cars can actually ride the bumper and push other cars. Has has the rules? Uh, Become the liberalized rules, in that area, or am I just following a little bit more closely? The the the, the rules are it, rubbing is racing, racism rubbing, coach. It's always been that way. Wow, are the drivers getting more way. aggressive then? No, no, it's it's always been that way. It's just it's, this happened this year. There just seemed to be a lot more wrecks during the Daytona 500, and it, it's like, there's just different types of racing. Like this one was the uh, was the two by two racing. Yeah. So typically, it's one car gets on the bumper and pushes the other one around the track. Where usually when you get in the long stack race and the line race, and you don't do that because it's so hard to tell what the car in front of you is going to do. So you, mm-hmm. you usually give yourself about a foot in between the cars. Now, so why why is one car pushing the other car? Is that isn't that would seem like an advantage to the front car? Uh, it, it's a big advantage to the front car, but then they're supposed to take turns. Oh, I see. Going, so going in front of each other. So, so what you even... want to do is you want to be the car that is in front during the last lap is what you want to do. Oh, okay. So. So the pushing is not a little shoving, not a little jostling, but it's actually teammate supporting teammate. You, you did you watch the race? Uh, no, not not live. Okay, okay, because that's all they, that's the that's what I hate about the two by two racing is that's all they talk about the whole time. That's all they talk about during the whole race. Mm-hmm. You know, then the the Daytona five hundred has been like that for a long time now. And but what's and, odd uh, about it though, Big Dog, is is you got the team concept, but it's an individual competition. So. And again, I don't know the intricacies of the sport, but where does the team break down, and where does hey, I want to win this darn thing? That, that's the, that's the I can't answer that question. That's a real rough one, because I, you know I'm sure there's, but you have to do it because if you're in front and having a guy pushing you for most of the race, you have to turn around because the guy's engine behind you will start getting mm-hmm. really hot because they're not getting air to it, and eventually you won't be getting as good a push. Mm-hmm. Push. So uh, you, you have to uh, you have to alternate. And you have to be good about it, but that's the whole point. Is mm-hmm. on lap one ninety six out of two hundred, who's going to get in front? You know that's that's the thing. 
So seems like one of the keys after watching uh, some of the highlights of the 53rd running of the Daytona 500. We got any uh, gearheads out there? Any NASCAR fans you want to talk about the Daytona 500? Certainly entertaining. I want to get to Trevor Bobbick or whatever his name is in just a bit. The 20 year old kid that won it. Our phone number here 888-463-6748. But it seems like Big Dog is part of the skill of winning these races is not just speed and maneuvering your way along the path, but it's basically avoiding accidents because a lot of cars were doing perfectly good and then one car would wipe out and they would get smashed into a lot of cars just got destroyed as auxiliaries to the initial accident if that makes any sense oh yeah that's that's part of it and and some of it's just just luck because kevin harvick was driving a missile and then all of a sudden his engine blows up and you know so a lot of it is luck coach And, and you can be driving perfectly the car in front of you wipes out and I don't care how great of a driver you are, when you're going 200 miles an hour, yes, you can probably avoid wrecks that 99.99999 people would never be able to do. But mm-hmm. the, the point of the matter is, they're just at 200 miles an hour. There's you could just be stuck, and you're in between two cars, and, and you get you hit somebody, and you had the fastest car, but the problem is now your fender's bent up, and now you're slow. So yeah, that's that's part of it, coach. And I really thought what was the coolest part is lap three of the race was went totally dead silent. Nobody was yelling at the track in honor of Dale Earnhardt. Okay, yes, they that was even cool. Announce, they didn't even announce it yep. over. Uh, All the over, fans had the uh, number three up in the air, right? Mm-hmm. That was very cool. And on that lap, Kevin Harvick raced race to the front, got the lead, and and led lap three of the race, which is really cool because. Kevin Harvick started driving for Dale Earnhardt. That was Kevin. Kevin Harvick never drove in, in, uh, until he started racing with uh, uh-huh. the, what he called the Dale Earnhardt thing. And, uh, of course, everybody knows Dale. Kevin Harvick won the first race that he ever raced, racing in Dale Earnhardt's car. Mm-hmm. So, I just, I mean, how it, no one even brought that up, too. Right when it happened, I was, like, I was, like, getting all choked up watching it. Didn't even mention it. What is, I mean, it was just so cool that Kevin Harvick was the one that got to the front. And by the way, Kevin Harvick's car blew up about 12 laps later while he was leading. So, so the, the feel-good story only lasted nine more laps, huh? Yeah, but, but at that, least he led lap three, Coach. Yeah, and that, that was very cool. And I watched the replay. All the fans, you know, just packed into that place, by the way, and they're all got the number three up, and it's perfectly silent, which you never expect at a uh, – NASCAR race at a Daytona 500, certainly. That was that was very cool to watch. But uh, talk real quick about the winner, Big Dog, the uh, 20-year-old kid. We've heard his name a little bit, certainly not a big name, a shocking winner. Nobody was more shocked, by the way, than himself. But uh, seemed to have a lot of charisma, a lot of pizzazz, very well-spoken guy, maybe a star of the future, Trevor, uh, Trevor Bear, is that his name? Trevor Bain. Trevor so, Bain. Yeah, and uh, on his second race ever. Wow. On the on the sprint series, that's so his second race ever, and he wins the Daytona 500. He's not even in the Sprint Cup chase this year. He can win every race this year, and he won't win the trophy because he's not even on that circuit. So it was like a minor league guy coming up and being the Super Bowl winning quarterback, Amazing. basically. Amazing. Now his pit crew was a, a bunch of veterans, right? I remember him very eloquently speaking how he was shocked for himself but so happy for the veteran crew that had never won before. I thought that was kind of cool that he mentioned them. Yeah, and don't forget those are the Wood Brothers. These guys have been yes. around since the, the 1950s, and they yeah. haven't won a race in uh, – they hadn't won a race in 15 years, mm-hmm. and they hadn't won the Daytona 500 since 1976. Wow. And they had a, like a legitimate racer to put in there, and they had a feeling that this kid could get it done, so they, 
they let this, the minor league kid run the car, and it was the best decision that they, those guys have ever made. And uh, you're exactly right about the kid being charismatic, Coach. Afterwards, I, I was watching it with Cloudy. I'm like, this kid's going to be a, he's going to yeah. be a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. If he has any success at all, he's going to be a great spokesman. Has the a great smile, good looking guy. The funny part is, uh, I guess in Florida, the drinking age is is 21. So if he wanted to go out partying legally, someone else had to buy him the drinks. Or actually, legally, he couldn't drink at all. Could he at age 20? We lost the big dog. We lost the big dog. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Little Daytona five hundred. Dog, we got the big dog back. Dog, I was talking about the fact that the guy's twenty years old. The drinking age is twenty one, and he really couldn't celebrate full force his victory in the Daytona five hundred. Maybe he did behind uh, closed doors. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he was, Coach. I, he he doesn't seem like a drinker to me, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he he can speak though. He can definitely speak. And yeah, it was funny that you said that because the first thing. Right when they stick us uh, uh he had just turned twenty the day before. So I mean he's he's wow. got a whole he's got about three hundred and sixty days until he turns twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um I looked all over his car. He has no uh alcohol endorsements, which is very rare. Yeah. Very rare for those guys. Somehow they typically have some type of beer or scotch or bourbon that they're mm-hmm. sponsored, even if it isn't the number one thing. You know, they typically usually have an alcohol sponsorship, believe it or not. And well, they with, did, the, so. with the Wood Brothers running the pit crew, I think the the big sign on the back of his car is, we've got wood. Yeah, and thought that uh, was it. Gallus, big yes, sponsor. exactly, which uh-huh. I thought was very fitting. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move for the Daytona 500, one-hour sports show here. we got to keep this thing moving, a little nose, news and notes, some titillating tidbit sports action over the weekend, Tuesday version of the Two Guys in a Mic show, Big Dog, the um, – uh, NBA All-Star Game was played. Get to college basketball in just a second, but I want your thoughts on the NBA All-Star Game. And a rare first time in many, many years, I watched it from start to finish. It was entertaining, but uh, did you get a chance to watch the uh, East versus the West? Yeah, I, I was forced to watch it because uh, Brian and Cloudy came home. I, I have no interest at all in the All-Star Game, so but I, you know, I, I was going to be the jerk and not watch it. Mm-hmm. All, all I care about is the All-Star Weekend is the uh, it's the three-point shooting contest and the slam dunk competition. Slam dunk competition. I, mean, legit, legit, I, I don't know. I would rather watch the Timberwolves take on the Grizzlies in a real game than watch mm-hmm. the All-Star game. Blake Griffin, I know, won the slam dunk contest as expected, mm-hmm. jumping over. I believe he jumped over Trevor Bain's car. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to tell you this straight up right now. I don't. Need, I think the guy who finished in third place was the best dunker this weekend. Okay. Demar Derozan of the. Uh, of, I remember uh, Toronto Raptors. Did you see the stuff he did? You watch any of the slam dunk contests? Nah, it was nah, the best nah. slam dunk contest in twenty years, at least twenty years. I did hear that. Who's the it guy? Who, who's the guy who slammed in, slammed in two balls in two different rims at the same time? That was the same guy who slammed in three balls in the same rim at the same time, which was Javel McGee. Okay, he dunked three basketballs. Wow. I know you poo pooed me which... watching the, the the slam dunk competition. Well, I'm going to poo-poo you watching. the. I don't know what it is about the All-Star game. I can't stand watching five guys watch some guy dribble around them and lay the ball up. Okay, <laughs> Which part oh, of his wow, body? Was really great. Wow, what a great move. You know, like we're watching Derrick Rose run past people, and I'm like, it's much more impressive when he does it against, like, the Knicks or somebody when they're actually trying to defend him. What do you think of the Derrick Rose? 
What? I, don't, I just don't, I don't find it exciting to watch five dudes yeah, watch somebody dribble around. I hear you. It's strictly entertainment. It's almost like the Harlem Globetrotter aspect. Got competitive yeah, in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather watch the Harlem Globetrotters than watch that. At least, you know, if they, yeah. if they actually started playing Sweet Georgia Brown and started, like, dribbling the ball with their butt, mm-hmm. then I'd be entertained. It got competitive in the fourth quarter. They, the competitive juices started to flow. LeBron James, interestingly enough, is the one who kicked in the... Uh, competitive level of the game all of a sudden he entered the game and he really wanted the uh, comeback and they almost did talking about the east versus the west uh but you were mentioning derrick rose i gotta ask you real quick what do you think of those gold shoes he wore in the first half oh I, I do like the fact that he switched the shoes up too yeah it's you know what that's what the all-star game is about since the game doesn't really count go out there do goofy stuff wear goofy clothes mm-hmm. and i will say this the all-star uniforms best ever. yes Best ever. I like every. I kept noticing different stuff about him. Like when I first saw it, I saw like because I was really watching Derrick Rose, our boy, and I noticed that they had like the Bulls insignia on the top of his back. I'm like, yep. oh, that's really cool, you know. And then I'm checking all that out, and then all of a sudden I was like, how come Kevin Love has one star, and then so like Kevin Garnett has like a whole row on his back? And then I figured out you got a star for every time you were an All Star. Mm-hmm. So it was like really individualized uniforms, yet. It was, there were uniforms. Like, you know what I mean? You can tell who was who. It wasn't like back in the, you know, like when you, you go like people wearing their own uniforms and all that. By far the best uh, all-star uniforms that I can remember. Yeah, I thought they were very cool. Kind of a dazzle sheen to them, a little color on color, like the red, but a couple different tones of the red. It wasn't mm-hmm. way out there. It wasn't overstated. It was uh, yeah. almost understated. Very, very cool. Like a, if possible, Big Dog, if you could use your connections, I'd love a, uh, Possibly a size large of the Western Conference uh, jerseys, if possible. Well, I already got the Brian Scalabrini All Star jersey coach. Really? So if you want that, it's autographed too. Did they, did they take a little bit out in the back of the short? Yeah, there, there's plenty of room <laughs> back there, coach. <laughs> oh, goodness. By the way, the halftime show. I'm glad my kids, my uh, young teenage uh, teenager, had a couple of friends over. I'm glad they exited for the halftime show. I don't know if you watched or not, but. No, no, we, we, we switched over and we watched uh, Dave Matthews on Austin City Limits during the halftime ah, show, Coach. Well, you might have. What happened, what happened well, during the halftime Rihanna's show? Rihanna's dance routine. I don't know if anyone else has mentioned this. I thought it was, like, way overly risque. Both, uh, both the outfits and the gyrations, considering you got a lot of young kids watching. David Olson, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I. I saw clips of it, but that that's what you get with Rihanna. Yeah, but yeah, ser- that's seriously. how she used to walk around, Coach. That's why Chris Brown hit her. Well, but does David Stern know that she's going to do that? Does he approve that routine? <laughs> he, that, look, look at some of the people that are in the league. I mean, yeah, but yeah. Dave, I, the I, NBA I, All Star game. I don't, don't want to go down. I don't want to go down this road, but I, I love mean, going down this road. He, he, he let the league devolve into a bunch of thugs. I'm sorry. I mean, it's. The NBA today is glorified streetball. It really is. And, and you're you're exactly right, David. And and Coach David's turn is not a moron. And he would much rather have a really risque halftime show that people watch and is controversial than okay. having us. Uh, and then have him say later, "I didn't know she was going to do that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just David Stern. I'm not in touch with 20 year old music." Okay. Then. Uh, than actually having something boring and conservative up there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he knew what the heck was going on. I don't, on. I don't want to come back, come out as the uh, complete prude here. I just thought, uh, considering it's the All Star game and you got a lot of the age eight to fourteen year old kids watching it, a lot of them probably. I thought it was a bit uh, much. A well, couple, I, of the, a couple of the hip thrusts, big dog, almost made me fall off the rocking chair. Well, well speak, 
speaking for all the 14-year-old boys out there, and yeah. I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, they were pretty happy about it, Coach. <sighs> There's enough stuff out there. We don't need Rihanna at halftime of the NBA game doing that. Well, <sighs> they might have parental locks on their internet. For a second, I thought I was watching the movie, uh, what was with Sharon Stone? The famous uh, cross legs? Oh, oh, oh. Basic Instinct. I thought I was watching the uh, halftime version of Fatal, or not Fatal, Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. Fatal Attraction was the other one. Thank goodness we didn't go to the slow-mo. But uh, let us move on, my friend. Please. (laughs) Was she wearing anything? Uh, Barely. Barely. I might have to. I might have to YouTube this. Yeah, you probably do. Eight eight eight. Down, I'll guarantee that much. Thank you very much. Eight 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 four six three six seven four. If you see David Stern, he might be wearing a different pair of glasses when you see him at Monday's press conference. I bet she has an umbrella. Hello, <laughs> hello. Hey ho, blue forty two red. Split left, split left. Ready, set, hut, hut, hike. April fifteenth. Only about thirty eight days to the NBA draft, big dog. No, that the, the NFL draft. What did I say? NBA, I'm sorry. NFL yeah. draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's move to uh, college basketball real quick over the weekend. Uh, starting on, I think, Friday through Monday, we had, what, just about every potential number one team knocked off. I, I, don't you love the Friday night games? I, they haven't done this before, Coach. I've noticed the last year or two they've had a lot of great games on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And for an old man like me who has to be you know, in bed by 11 on Friday. Yep. I love the fact they have uh, top teams playing on Friday night. I hope they do this yeah. from now on. That's a great idea. By Some the way. people might say it bothers me, but for basketball it doesn't because yeah. there's so many more basketball games. Well, football. The argument was, you know, it's going to take away from a Friday night. High school football. I suppose you could make the same argument. You know, college basketball games on Friday night. People won't go out to the high school game. I don't know if that that argument. I think might be slip sliding away, but. Uh, Either way, it was good stuff, and um, big dog. We've been doing sports radio close to ten years, the two of us, which is shocking and hard to believe. I got to compliment you for putting up with me for that long of a period of time. And I don't think in the ten years we've done the show, we have never even come close to mentioning Nebraska Cornhusker basketball. And we need to do this for the first time in ten years on today's show. Actually, I do remember me mentioning it one time, and I remember saying something like, "There was a there was a coaching vacancy." And there was a really good uh, like coach out there, and I said at the time, um, and this was a long time ago, and I was completely wrong when I said this. So I was like, you know what, Nebraska's a sleeping giant. They've got a bunch of great sports programs. They're they're state backs, they're their programs, and since college basketball is the second most important sport, I, I, I could see why Nebraska could end up being this great basketball program. Mm-hmm. And you said it would never happen, no way. And I guess you're right. I guess you're right, because the fact that they beat Texas was just jaw-dropping to me. I was like, what? Nebraska beats Texas? So, yeah. I, it, to me, it just reaffirmed that Nebraska actually had a basketball program. <laughs> I, mean, it was, I mean, you know, obviously kidding, but you, you forget about it. They're never mentioned. But what a great victory for them. They knocked off Texas. West Virginia beat Notre Dame. St. John's in a last-second shot. Dwight Hardy rapidly becoming a first, if not second-team All-American for the Redmen. His drops in an amazing shot to beat Pitt. Ohio State loses to Purdue. And uh, there go all your number ones. Big dog, it's Duke. Almost um, as a consolation prize. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's fine. Who cares who's number one and all that? But like all of a sudden, we're we're talking about who deserves the number one seed, and the people are like, "Well, well, Ohio State's not playing so great as of late." Are these people out of their mind? Ohio State has two losses at Wisconsin at Purdue. How many teams in the country, if they played those two games, will go zero and two, coach, on a percentage wise? Mm-hmm. 
You, you know what I mean? I was say, those aren't bad losses. It's not like they got blown off the court. And by the way, this this week, uh, did you see that each one more what he did against Ohio wow. State coach? Wow! Oh my thirty-eight goodness. points. The kid from. Uh, East Indiana, just outside the borders of Chicago, 38 points, and Big Dog went over quietly, went over 2,000 points for his career. That's not too bad. Really quietly. Each one more. Uh, too bad Robbie Hummel, you know, oh. consider, especially considering Illinois is not having as great a season as I wanted them to be. Too bad Robbie Hummel isn't playing because Juwan Johnson and each one more are as good of a one-two combination yep. that we've seen in this conference in a long time. Yep. I mean, they're, they're really fun to watch. And when you were watching, if you're an Ohio State fan, what do you just got to shrug your shoulders? Coach, if somebody would have said to me, that dude right there is going to take a fadeaway three-pointer from four feet behind the arc, I'd be like, let him take it. And he would do it if he nothing but that. He did that like three fadeaway three-pointers from NBA range, and he was drilling them, Coach. So sometimes you just shake your shoulders and be like, hey, we're on the road. We got our butts whipped. So. Robbie Hummel, uh, you put Robbie Hummel on that team, and I do think Purdue would have been the best team in the country. But, of course, that I, would yeah. that would because be – He's like he would have been the glue guy, the guy that always hit all the open jumpers, wouldn't have turned it over, would have taken a charge, been a leader. That you put Robbie Hummel on that on that team, and all of a sudden, I mean, wow, wow, they're they're battling with Ohio State for the for the Big Ten championship. Let's, I, let's face it. Forget which coach told me, but he's absolutely correct. Whoever the uh, unknown coach is, he said you you come up against a team with two good scorers, they're tough to stop. It's a good team. If you have three legitimate scoring threats, you become a great team, and that's what would have happened at Purdue. There's very few teams out there, NBA, college, or at any level, that have three great scoring threats, three legitimate scoring threats. If you do, you're almost uh, undefensible. And, Coach, I'm glad you brought that up, because unless you have more college basketball, I do want to transition to something. I really don't want to, but I will. The only that, that is only if those you have those three guys and your team defends and rebounds. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's, oh, look at the Knicks. They got Chauncey Billups, Stoudemire, and Carmelo Anthony. Yes, they've got three really, really, really good scores, two great scores. But are they going to defend and rebound? You know mm-hmm. how, you know, now that Carmelo is in New York, I'll oh, no, they're going to be great. No, they're not. That team isn't tough enough to win anything. Mm-hmm. That team doesn't scare me whatsoever, coach. Do we have I, official confirmation now, Big Dog? I think it is official. Carmelo Anthony. Definitely a New York Nick. And yeah, the only uh, problem is they're going to have a very difficult time moving the Statue of Liberty to Denver because that was included <laughs> in the trade, Coach. I know they gave up a lot. And we should mention Chauncey Billups, a pretty darn Chauncey Billups, a pretty darn good uh, point guard, also comes over with Carmelo. So the Knicks pick yeah. up Carmelo and Billups at point guard, but basically the Knicks gave up uh, everybody, including, uh, this is late-breaking news, the Statue of Liberty as well. Yeah, they, I mean, they gave up first-round picks. They gave up all kinds. A couple decent players, too. Now, uh, but they also May, were able to get Curry off of, the, off of the books, which is pretty good. Macy's so. is still in New York, or is Macy's going to relocate to Denver now as part of the deal? Uh, I, I think they're going, too, Coach. Okay. The Carnegie Sandwich, they're going. That's no, going that was part of the deal, too? And yeah, those oh. people are health-conscious over there in Denver. They're in a lot of oh, trouble. Goodness. They better okay. not have given away uh, the Elliott Spitzer Call Girl Corporation. No, 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 that's still there. Okay. And and all the New York's crime is staying, too. Well, yeah, you don't want to give that away. No, no, that's the reason to go. They tried tried to release it outright, but, you know, you can only do so much. Coach, everybody's been mugged, but you really haven't been mugged unless you've been mugged in New York. That's when you know you've made it. It's a (laughs) different... It is a different type of mugging, and one really everybody should experience once in their life. At least one time, yes. (laughs)
Oh, goodness. 888-463-6748. Our phone number, folks. Dial it up. Big Dog and a Coach. Real quick, before we uh, go to a break, i got to mention my DePaul Blue Demons. They got off the schneid last week and uh, won their first Big East game in like 25 in a row. But Big Dog, I don't know if you saw the game Saturday. I tuned in to watch them take on Villanova about halftime, and I saw it's a close game. going to watch the second half, watch the whole second half. Did First of all, did you see the game? No, I didn't get to watch it. I, I worked all day on Saturday. I wish I would have. They, it sounded like the best game of the of the weekend, to be well, honest. They put in an unbelievable effort. I was disgusted at the end of it because in the end of regulation, DePaul goes ahead by three. Now, anybody that knows Villanova knows that they've got this guard, Corey Fisher. It seems like he's played college basketball for about 19 years. Yeah, uh, him he, and Scott Reynolds. Yeah. So, yeah, who was finally gone. Scotty Reynolds finally yeah. graduated last year. And now we got Corey Fisher who's been playing forever. But the kid was killing him in the fourth quarter. Big You're up three. Now, Oliver Purnell says, hey, we got a young team. We shot our inexperience. These these kids have all hopefully watched basketball on TV. They've played enough. The situation with a three-point lead and the clock winding down, I mean, kids should know that. And sure enough, eight seconds, seven seconds, six seconds would have been the Biggest DePaul win probably in the last five, ten years, and they do not foul, A, and B, a couple of the defenders sag off the three-point line. Oh, that's unacceptable. And then at the last second, they fly out of Corey Fisher. He pulls up and hits a semi-uncontested three-pointer. Big Doug, I almost broke my 22-inch TV. It was disgusting. That That's why you have a, a, a .05 winning percentage in conference. Oh, you know, that, oh that's we're a young really team. Was, I don't care. You can't. I know you're a young team, and you needed to win a game. And the coaches I blame, too. Even if they haven't practiced it and it's an inexperience, you got to be hollering and shouting out at that point. Foul him, foul him. No know, threes, no threes. Get up on him, get up on him. Who cares if he drives by you? That, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Because a year ago, those guys would have been a senior in high school, and they would have known better. But all of a sudden, what, they're a freshman in college, <laughs> and they're stupid again? I never get that. Like, yeah. well, rookie in the NFL. Oh, well, that was just a rookie mistake. No, that's fundamental football. Either you know that or you don't know that. Mm-hmm. And if, if, I don't care what year you are. If, you have, if you're in that situation, you foul and you put them on the line. Absolutely. Okay, you do. You foul. Okay, Coach, it's as simple as that. When you're up three, you don't even uh, – that, that body You certainly that you don't let their best player, one of the top three-point shooters in the country, take a three-point shot. It's just unbelievable. Cinemax Cindy, by the way, wants to know, Big Don, one of your favorite listeners, as we head to a break here, TalkZone.com. Phone lines open. We'll talk sports and more. When we come back, 888-463-6748. Cinemax Cindy wants to know, is it Cleveland Melvin or Melvin Cleveland, the star player for DePaul? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Cleveland Melvin, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with Melvin Cleveland. It sounds so much better, Coach. <laughs> Thank you. Big Dog, sit tight. we got about a 30-second break. We'll come back. With sports and more, it's a little Tuesday recap after a uh, day off President's Day yesterday. Big dog and a coach at your soybeans up until 11 o'clock. I'm Stick excited
lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, Two Guys and a Mic. TalkZone.com with you right up until 11 o'clock. Talking sports and more, dog, and the coach at your service. Big dog, before we uh, get back to the sports world, let us mention to our fine listeners in the Chicago area, that possibly, just possibly by 7 o'clock tonight, we will have a new mayor leading your fine city, Big Dog. No, we, no, we, not quite possibly. We definitely will have a new mayor leading this uh, city. And if it rhymes with bomb, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to beg to differ with you. Not definitely, because correct me if I'm wrong, but if none of the candidates gets 50%, then the top two have to have a runoff, right? Oh, oh, I did not know that. I yep. did not know that. But, okay, so I see what you're saying. Yes. So, yep. obviously, we might not have a, mm-hmm. a mayor in this city. So, you uh, are part of the ABR uh, uh, persuasion, as am I, ABR, anyone but Rom? You know, it's really sad to say in this new era of politics, but it's not even anybody but Rom right now. I, I There's really not too many people in that race that I can really get behind and say I really, really like. Mm-hmm. I, it, was, it was Jerry Chico for me that I liked. But the funny thing is, uh, now that I learned more about Jerry Chico from someone who worked for him, yep. she, this woman absolutely despises the man and started telling me all kinds of stuff. I was like, oh, no. That was like the only guy I kind of liked. So Gary Chico was the guy who said, uh, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. what, what was her complaint with Gary Chico? Who I'm kind of in a quandary with him, too, because at times he seems like a real good candidate, but then there's the old... Business well, uh, side of it, too, where it looks like more of the same with him. I can't use the language that this 155-year-old Uh-oh. woman used. She's 155? The best way for me to say it is she, he was extremely two-faced. Say one thing, do another. Like, you know, like two of the people in the office, mm-hmm. he was MFing them, and then all of a sudden he was kissing babies type deal. One, of those, one of those deals. Just got a quick text from uh, CMB. And it says, dot, 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 Joel, can we count on your vote? CMB, possibly... Carol Mosley Braun listening to our show this morning. I, I, to be honest with you, Coach, I, I only have like two addresses in the city of Chicago right now, so <laughs> I, I don't. I'll try to. I'll try to get out there for. Her, okay. Uh, okay. So, but you can't. You can't count on me, CMB. All right. What about Miguel Devalier, the uh, fine Hispanic candidate? I kind of like the way he speaks. He'd be somebody different, somebody unconnected, not part of the quote-unquote machine. Oh, está bien, Coach. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. Well, we'll see. We will have uh, potentially a new mayor, and certainly Rahm Emanuel is the favorite. Um, Big Doug, let's get uh, this one out of the way, and I I don't mean to to minimize it, but it's of the rather sad variety, and that's one of our great Chicago Bears of the 1985 Chicago Bear team. Sadly, it is our obituary of the day we didn't expect at the young age of 50 years old. Uh, information has come out on it. It's quite controversial, but Dave Dewerson, my friend, has passed away uh, over the weekend. You know, yeah, you know, we haven't been on since Friday, yep. and this was absolutely shocking. And it's funny because somebody told me, you know, I got a text, Dave Dewerson shot himself. And I'm like, oh, that's horrible. And then somebody else sends me a text, and she's like, you know, he shot himself in the chest, and he wants his, his brain uh, donated yep. to the NFL for research. And I knew immediately what was what had happened, Coach. I mean, I didn't have to put two and two together. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how many, how bad could it have gotten for the guy? How bad was his head hurting that he would do something like that? It's, and, you know, he's not the only NFL player that's killed himself because of post-concussion syndrome, Coach. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple. 
it's yeah, there's pretty there's, sad. That's why you know, like I when I teach like young boys how to tackle people, like when I see my friends, oh my my son's playing football. You know, I, I make sure that they learn you hit in between your nipples when you hit somebody. And I always tell them two reasons. One is so you keep your head up and you don't miss the person. You can't. You got to be able to see what you hit. And the other one is. I don't want this kid breaking his neck or getting concussion uh, syndrome. And you can hit somebody just as hard that way as you can leading with your head, Coach. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, as, you know, we got into it earlier in the year about it. I don't like the penalties for and all that when it's such a fine line. Sometimes you get these penalties for these guys, and they had no choice. And they, they hit helmet to helmet, and all of a sudden you're making these guys look like they're assassins. When you teach somebody up, it's totally different. But uh, there needs to be a new way to teach people how to tackle. And uh, you, you're supposed to hit him, but, like, in between your nipples and that with uh, the butt of your head, the mm-hmm. rim of your head. And that, and that, it, otherwise, and hopefully 30 years from now, we're not talking about people killing themselves, blowing yeah. their heads off. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of levels to this one. You, by the way, I thought uh, rather rather eloquently alluded to it on uh, Thursday's Friday's show. We were having a little discussion between boxing and the violence in boxing. And you had mentioned, well, or ultimate fighting. And, you know, the one big hit to the head can certainly be damaging. But what's even more damaging is the repetitive, constant, over a number of years, hits to the head, and that appears to be the case of what happened to Double D, David Doers. Yeah, yeah, speaking of this, and I'm not trying to be like, Coach, I'm right, you're wrong, okay, because I'll be willing to admit when I'm wrong, but did you happen to see the, the championship boxing match this weekend between two like lightweights, and they, they were both just uh, Latino guys? I missed it. I was watching the uh, upcoming trailer for Winter's Bone, the movie. Well, you're, you're the guy that thinks uh, MMA is so, uh, uh, what do you call it, yeah, violent. It's you a know, little but... vicious. All I know is, all I know is this: in MMA, as soon as you cannot defend yourself, as soon as you can, the fight is over with. They don't say, "Hey, are you okay? Can you you fight again?" No, the fight is well, over but with. That, but big dog, that sounds good. Because, but the only problem is, as soon as you can't defend yourself, the reason you can't defend yourself because you've been knocked out in the head well, with well, a blow well, to the temple and you got no headgear on. It can take one punch. All I know is, I saw this fight this weekend. Some guy gets knocked down. His arm is twitching. His leg is kicking. He they, they he gets up. They, they count them to eight and they send them back in there. It, it is so much different, Coach. You're going to see the amount of long-lasting ramifications of injuries in MMA as opposed to boxing won't even be at all as close. Legitimately, these fights in MMA, they last two minutes, and the mm-hmm. fight's over with. And trust me, these guys get up after getting totally destroyed, and they're like, yeah, too bad, I, I, I lost the fight. Mm-hmm. In boxing, these guys get hammered for round after round after round. And another, what happened this weekend was absolutely disgusting. The guy's leg was twitching after he got knocked down, and 30 seconds later, he's in the fight again. And and by the way, he got hit a couple times after that, and the referee knew to stop it. So All right. Let, let's let's get back to Dave Dewar scenario. Bit of the day, and it hits close to home here at Chicago. Of course, of course, he was a prized member of that '85 Super Bowl team. A lot of levels to a big dog, and it's very curious. More info to come out amongst the levels. A as a player, as a person in his younger years, uh, almost to a T, teammates and opponents, uh, smart guy, character guy, well-respected, well-spoken, one of the most liked guys on that team. And, again, not just teammates but opponents as well. So you got that aspect going. The guy was a total class act. And mm-hmm. then you got level B, the, the business venture that he went to that was very successful at first, but then went bankrupt and he had all kinds of financial troubles. And then you got the level C, well, there's a little Devorah situation in there, too, and the incident at Notre Dame. And then level D was the whole situation well, where with the hits to the head, what did you call it, what syndrome? 
Post-concussion syndrome. Post-concussion syndrome and the fact that he was actively involved in the organization. I think Chris Nowinski, by the way, who's the probably the leading expert on that, he's a kid who played his football here at Hersey High School, became a, I'm not sure if he's a doctor or a psychologist or what, but he leads that institute. He's like the leading voice in that particular area. He, had to, he took a detour through the World Wrestling Federation. Chris Nowinski, yes. Chris Nowinski. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember doing his football games at Hersey High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did but, the Harvard thing, and he would... He, he, I forget exactly what he studied at Harvard, yeah. but his wrestling career actually ended due that's to a right. concussion. That's right. And that's what made him go into this okay. field. And but, he's like one of the foremost concussion experts in the country. Yeah, now. and Big Dog Dave Dewerson was part of that institute, and he was doing research on behalf of a disease that he had and knew what was coming. So very odd situation, lots of different levels, and obviously a tragic end to it all. What was his uh, incident with Notre Dame that you're talking about? Yeah, there was. He got kicked off the Board of Regents. Was it alleged battery with the wife? Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was something. Okay. So there's a lot of different levels here. It's, uh, again, obviously ended in a tragic ending and lucid enough to shoot himself in the chest so that his brain could be used because I think, again, being the great character and class guy he was, he realized that this was a problem down the road and maybe in some strange way, Big Doug, he was trying to help others in the future. Yeah, too bad he couldn't do the Hunter Hillenmeyer, who basically said, listen, when I yep. die, uh, I want my brain to be dedicated uh, or like uh, donated to the NFL so they can mm-hmm. do research on it. Yep. Not after I kill myself, here's my brain yep. and do some research on it. So yep. that is a sad day. Yep. All right. Yes, David. And like more details are coming out that he had just recently filed for bankruptcy, too. Oh, yeah. All kinds of financial problems. And I had heard he gained a lot of weight. At least it's a couple of years ago when people saw him, they were surprised how heavy he had gotten. So all kinds of issues, but uh, you know, you know what's jacked up is he was actually at one point more than a hundred and twenty pounds heavier than wow. William Perry. Wow! Because William Perry got down to a hundred and ninety pounds when during his sickness, and uh, and well, uh, we call David Orson was well over three hundred. Over three hundred. Yeah, can and he you was not. Dewarson was what about six foot? Uh, yeah, I would say six one at the wow. most, coach. Yeah, I didn't know he ballooned up that much. All right, so. that, that's just something that I heard. That at, at the same time, they, he was basically a okay. he was an eighth grader larger mm-hmm. than William Perry yep. at the same time. Very sad. William Perry, done. like he fell down in his house and didn't eat for like five days, and nobody came and visited him. And his brother stopped by because he went into the phone, and William Perry hadn't moved for five days. And if if there would have been a couple more hours, William Perry would have been dead. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's. If, uh, I mean, we've all followed, chronicled that situation, but uh, Fridge Perry not in the best of health either. But Dave Dewerson now the second member of that great '85 Bears team to pass away, right, Doug? Yeah, who's the other one? Well, Walter. Well, oh, my fault, my fault. Yeah. That's obviously I knew that. My fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's embarrassing. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four. A little recap from the weekend. It was big dog and a coach at your service with you the entire. Week the dog and a coach. If you like the show, tell a friend. We need some listeners out here. We need sponsors. If you want to join us as a sponsor, by the way, you can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. M-I-C and the number two, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. Big dog pitchers and catchers have been throwing the pill around for three or four days. A couple of minutes left in the program. Give us your early thoughts on a little spring training action. I don't know if you visited Mesa, Arizona this weekend, but uh, maybe in your dreams. Now, what team do you want to hear about, Coach? Uh, well, give me, give me the Cubs first. 
the best thing about the Cubs so far is there has been no news. And typically around this time with the Chicago Cubs, we're talking about somebody tore a hamstring, somebody's thrown with a towel because their elbow is jacked up. So (laughs) I think the best thing about the Cubs, and as much as I ripped on them the other day, uh, they're going to be laying in the weeds. So we have that as Chicago Cubs fans. They're not the favorites, and the only time the Cubs really have a chance to win anything is when nobody else believes in them and they don't put pressure on this team. Speaking of laying in the weeds, by the way, did I read correctly? Our new third base coach this year, ex-Cub Ivan DeJesus? Uh, Ivan DeJesus, yes, coach. Was that a yes? Yeah, he's uh, the yes. Uh, that's, wow. I, I've heard that it's a, it's a good thing, coach. Ivan DeJesus. I hope he wears the tight pants so we can see his thighs. Or you think they're still in the same condition as he was when he was a player? I, those things are so rock chiseled they couldn't have uh, degenerated <laughs> whatsoever, coach. <laughs> no, no atrophy in those particular calves wow. or thighs. Ivan DeJesus coming back as the third base coach. That might be worth the price of admission for a couple of games well, unto hopefully themselves. He's not the hitting coach. Huh? Hopefully he's not the hitting coach. <laughs> because, I mean, the guy, with the, he, yeah, he hit 275. Back uh-huh. 275 for a shortstop was good, but his on-base percentage was like 230. Okay. That guy, that guy was horrible. I don't think he took a walk during his whole time with the Chicago Cubs. Someday, we don't have time today. Someday we should come up with our, like, worst possible coaching staff. You know, one guy, who the base running coach, who the outfield coach would be. Mel Hall is the base running coach. And and only a diehard (laughs) old-time Chicago Cubs fan would know that one. (laughs) Who who did you say? Mel Hall. Mel Hall. Oh, God, he was the worst coach. He was the absolute worst. I mean, the Cubs would be down three runs with no outs, and he'd be on first base, and he would get picked off first base. Okay. It was it was bad. It, it was horrible. I thought maybe you were gonna say Jerry Dibzinski. Oh yeah, he's well. He made the worst base running gaffe in Chicago White Sox history. That's mm-hmm. a good call there, Coach. In the 1983 playoffs versus mm-hmm. the Baltimore Orioles. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, Dave Olson is banging his head against the desk just thinking of Jerry <laughs> Dibzinski in that play. Corey Patterson, by the way, when he retires, might come back to the Chicago Cubs as the hitting instructor. Yeah, uh, Hector Villanueva's conditioning coach. <laughs> Oh, we come up with a heck of a coaching staff. I guarantee you that. Again, I'm not sure we have time to complete the project today, but <laughs> Hector Villanueva, conditioning coach. Yeah, they'll do a lot of they'll, they'll, anger management. They'll do a lot of squats with Hector Villanueva. Oh yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> oh, and uh, what's his Johnny name? Johnny Davis uh, will teach you how to do bong hits. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Who's yeah. the Minnesota Twin who came over for the Cubs for a year and a half? Third baseman. Oh God. Uh, uh, Greg, no, I almost, I almost said Greg Gagne, who was a shortstop. I, yeah. The guy's played the 25 most games in the history of, uh, <laughs> he hit the home run against the Giants in the 1998, uh, playoff game, and I can't think of his no, name. Oh, right Gary, now. Gary Gaetti? Gary Gaetti, yeah. yeah. Gary, Gary Gaetti. Gagne in his, yeah, Gary <laughs> He could be in charge of, uh, post-game revelry. That's, no, that's not bad. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yep. Not bad. Uh, what's this, uh, is, We'll move right on. I'll skip from that comment. Well, we could we could have oh yeah another guy that passed away, but I was gonna yeah I was gonna yeah I, I, I should stay away from jokes about people who are dead right now. <laughs> yes, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Dempster's been named the starter. I think Mike Quad was gonna stay away from that, but less than a week in the training camp, Ryan Dempster named the starter. Carlos Zambrano says he's all for it. You know what? I, I would I would like a battle. I would like to see a battle for the number one overall starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. That that would be actually really cool. I don't see they they shouldn't hand it to him right now. Well, it's you know, on it, the other it's side of it. It's kind of overrated, right? So if Ryan Dempster has a good year for him, he's going to go sixteen and ten. 
if Ryan Dempster has an average year, he's going to go 15-11. If he has a bad year, he's going to go 14-12. and 12. Yep. I'm not ripping him because you know exactly what you're going to get with him. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, well, one thing's for sure. If he's your number one, you will not finish number one. If he's our number one, our team is number two. <laughs> is that the Cub Manto for this year? That's the best motto for the team I've heard yet this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a diehard Cub fan, but come on, this is it's ridiculous. That's, uh, that's, uh, I gotta write that down. That's pretty good. If Dempster's our number one, dot dot dot, we're gonna be number two. Yeah, <laughs> Nicely done, big dog. Too bad this show is just ending. You're, I feel like you're gaining momentum as we gather. As we, well, as we I have move. an audience now. I have an audience. Okay, that was nicely done. Yeah, Anything happened of the Wisconsin Ord. Is, is watching me do the show right now. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, on the White Sox camp, everything seems good. Three days, and Kenny Williams and Ozzie Guillen seems to be best of friends all of a sudden. Yeah, and supposedly they didn't have to butter up uh, Adam Dunn's hips to actually get him into the clubhouse. No. He came in pretty much in shape. I think the doctor did that instead. Oh, is that what happened? Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe they can add some of those hips on the Alexei Ramirez, who, who by the way, I, I think uh, – I think this year, that's the story for me, is how good is Alexei Ramirez going to be this year now that he's mm-hmm. been anointed God by everybody in baseball? Baseball America that's... calling him the next great player. Talk about him and Troy Tulowitzki are going to like mm-hmm. the two best shortstops in the game of baseball. So and um, It's a little bit strong, I think, from the general feeling, but uh, you know but, if you're I mean, talking to me. Getting, coach. A lot of people are talking about he's like right. the next great thing. All so right. how well, is he going to handle it, Coach? Well, you know from talking to me, Big Dog, over the last couple of years, I've I've been – Talking highly of this guy, I'm not saying he's the best player, but I'm saying he's my favorite player to watch. I think he is so exciting, so electric. I do think he's got that potential. I've been on the Alexi Ramirez bandwagon long before uh, some of these top scouts have. You see, here's what bothers me about it is what I'm worried about is he could end up having those great seasons. But so everybody's anointing him like possible American League MVP. I mean, that's what they're talking about. How how good this kid could be this year? That's strong. And and. uh, What's going to happen when on, on May 1st he's hitting 130 with one home run and, and four RBIs? Because you know he's going to have a yeah. horrible April no matter what he ends up. He could end up hitting 330 this year. He's still going to be batting a buck 50 when May 1st hits. Yeah. Uh, we got to wrap it up. Let's hope that's not the case, but you are correct. Past history says the first month of the year when it's still cold out, Alexi does not do well, but uh, maybe this year will be different. Big Dog will come back tomorrow, uh, bigger and brighter than ever. Behave yourself in our 24 hours after. You know I always worry about you, but. Uh, Please stay out of the obituary page and the crime report. Yeah, I shall. I shall. All right. Do your best, okay? All right. Later, Coach. Later, David. There it is. Big dog. Check it out, David Olson. Thank you so much. Two guys in the mic. We appreciate everybody for listening. 10 o'clock. We'll do it again tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.